Lewis jumped over the wall. Recorded a podcast beloved by all. And who are these three little pod boys, you might ask? Well, it's the world's uh, trashiest podcast, of course, the pod people. I'm Matisse Van Rossum, and I reserve the right to die. I'm Ben Sheets, and I'm gonna need the soap for this episode. You will. Soak that throat! <laughs> soak that throat! Oh my god. Oh my god, what a great start. Hi, I'm Cleveland Mosier, but today you can call me Humper S. Thompson. <laughs> Well, folks, uh, if you didn't think that you were in for a weird one, you're in for a weird one. A very weird uh, one. Buckle up. We're talking about probably the weirdest film we've ever watched for the podcast. Uh, Greasy Strangler was pretty weird. I think this is weirder and and less accessible too. Yeah, I like I like it better than the Greasy Strangler, but I think I think it's weirder and, and less accessible. We are, of course talking about the 2009 Harmony Corinne film, Trash Humpers. The one Harmony Corinne foray into horror, maybe? His take on found footage movies. Yes. I think uh, Cleveland aptly put it while we were watching. Like five minutes in. It's like uh, if the Texas Chainsaw family... Made a made a home movie. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. home movie. That was it. Yeah, I just right off the bat, like I knew something was wrong when when the movie started. Like I was like, yeah, like something is not right here. It's not good. I felt uncomfortable, but there wasn't anything necessarily to set it up that there was going to be murders. Uh, we we had talked beforehand about whether or not this was even a pod movie. Uh, frankly, after seeing the movie, I don't understand why that was a conversation. This was definitely like a horror. This is definitely a horror film in my eyes. I'll allow it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You did, uh, regardless. So it's it's it's, We're it's, here. it's a non. It, it has been allowed. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not a it's, it's not it's a non debate. But it's it's, um, a, it's a disturbing film for sure. Uh, and there there is some some murder and violence, but in sort of a a different way than you might expect. It's definitely not a traditional horror film. No, but it's not really a traditional. It's not anything. A traditional. <laughs> yeah, really anything. Yeah. Uh, to say the least. My favorite was about five or so minutes into the movie when Cleveland was just like. Is there enough material for a podcast in this movie? <laughs> well, the, the it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just wait. in fairness, this there movie was. really starts oppressively. I guess you could say. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean it. It just is oppressive. It starts oppressively. It continues to be oppressive, and it finishes oppressively. But especially with the first twenty minutes, like once you get over that hump, I I feel like you kind of Pun fall intended. into it. Because the first 15 minutes is mostly them humping trash. Yep. And when they're not humping trash, they're, they're do- they might as well be. It's great. Over the years, y'all have broken me. And I love it. I'm here for it. Um, I, you know, I, 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 I need to go back and listen to our Houseu episode, Ben, that we did, and, 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 and laugh. <laughs> And giggle at you know my my uh, my You've my, come so far. my oh, wide-eyed self who is so ta- who is so uh, confused by how to. It's funny. It was like two years ago. Uh, I'm an, I'm an adult. I'm like 28. Uh, but but like I I was never really exposed to too much um, like art house cinema. Mm-hmm. I mean you know for God's sakes I went to school for like like classical Italian painting. Like I'm I'm very steeped in like like tradition and and the rest of it. So art house. 
isn't really what I was exposed to. I studied art, but like again, like traditional painting and realism, and uh, mm-hmm. that that field like loves to to turn its nose up at modern art. Oh man, I, I don't know where where and when it happened, but I yeah, I loved this movie. I thought it was great. I, it's <laughs> it was, awesome. It was a treat. Yeah, it's yeah. great. It's it, truly one of a kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know there are, there are a number of things, and I think too like. I still could have then, you know, a few years ago, if I had seen some of Carmody Karen's other work. Because if you've seen his other films, you it's a lot easier to get where it's coming from. I think if you just put this on without context for someone who hasn't seen any of Carmody Karen's work, I you think, don't have the same amount of, like, faith and trust in the director uh, as to I where the film is going. I think this might have been my first Harmony Karen. <laughs> no way! I think so, yeah. Interesting. Ben, ben got me into Harmony Karen freshman year of college, and I think this is the first movie that we watched. Maybe it was Spring Breakers, but I don't think so. I think Trash Humpers was my first exposure to Harmony Karen, and uh, I'll admit, like, the first time, I didn't get it. Not that it's necessarily a film that you have to quote-unquote get. That sounds pretentious, and I think that that's, that's uh, an accusation that gets leveled at Harmony Corinne a lot. It's, it's a vibes movie. And, and I, to- I totally get that, too. Like, this is a movie where if someone told me this is, like, a half star for them, worst movie ever made, I would get it. You More know? power to if you. If you're yeah. looking at it from a very literalist angle, mm-hmm. I can see how someone could absolutely despise this movie. I can, I can imagine, you like, know? So my dad is still, like, very much in that world, right? And I can imagine, like, telling him about this movie and saying, like, yeah, it's like if the Texas Chainsaw Massacre family, like, made their own home video, and it's mostly them, like, humping trash cans or whatever, I could just see, like, the disappointment on his face and him just say, like, why <laughs> you know like why why would you watch that well that's like, that's the thing like if you go into if you go into a movie like this asking yourself why you're already going in the wrong direction you're gonna have a bad time yeah and i think that your your analogy to like the the texas chainsaw the sawyer family this being like kind of if what if they made a home video while it's it's apt i also think that it's that that explanation is almost too structured for this movie yes like it that that almost adds too much of a narrative well, to with, the film with realism yeah 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 like it's it's like if the real life one you know did yeah. that like it's and and they they got a camera somehow and we're able to figure it out from time to time. And you just got whenever the camera happened to be mm. on. For the most part, the scenes don't feel staged. They feel like they've got the camera out because they're doing some sort of family event. And when I say family event, I mean forcing two random men to eat pancakes sogged with soap. Or, or soak something. that throat! Soak that throat. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, oh, God. Uh, there's a naturalism to the whole film. And, and again, like, the quality of the film is, is amazingly terrible and degraded. Mm-hmm. And it looks frankly gorgeous the style is is so rich the camera is like constantly like like losing its tracking there's uh, a great deal of like uh chromatic aberration as the the colors are breaking down a lot of it is shot at nighttime so you get some really nice glow from street lights mm-hmm. and things like that i definitely agree and i i think one of the things about this movie is it's barely a movie in a traditional sense it feels a lot of times more like an artifact like it was a videotape you found in a gutter at some point. I, you know? I, I believe that was actually Harmony Corinne's intention, too. Like he was even going so far as 
to consider distributing it by just like making copies of the VHS and just like leaving them at random places around town or mailing them into the police. Uh, the only the only reason that they decided against that is because by distributing it that way, they would forfeit copyright. They would just be in the public domain if they did that. But the goal was to, like you said, make it feel like an artifact, make it feel like something that you would find in in a gutter or in the river wrapped in a plastic bag or, you know, just like on the, on the street or something. What I didn't realize I was reading too is that there was only something like four months between conception and the first premiere of the film. The production took about two weeks with another two weeks for editing and they were the four protagonists in this film uh, literally lived on the street for the entirety of the production. Once they put the costumes on, they did not take them off until filming was was complete. Wow. So for about two weeks, they wandered around Knoxville, Tennessee, Harmony Corinne's hometown, just breaking shit, staging these weird little tableaus, uh, humping trash, uh, and at night sleeping under bridges and in tires and shit like that. And then after after two weeks or so, when they'd gotten all the footage that, that Harmony Corinne thought they needed, that was it. They took off the costumes and were done. And then Harmony Corinne sat and, and edited it on VHS. And then that was, that was the movie. And if that doesn't, wow. like, just distill how and why this movie feels as authentic as it does... Is because it is just following four people around a city as they just do delinquent shit. That's get, that gave me chills hearing about how the, the the making of it. That's so cool. Wow. We should talk a little bit more about the characters too, right? Because like they are very vaudevillian almost mm-hmm. in how obnoxious, forcing sexual acts and. They do shrieking of sorts. I guess it's supposed to be laughing, but it almost sounds like just a, oh, a well, banshee. A, yeah, or, well, it's, it's a it's it's almost a it's a very country um, it's a very country thing to do. You know, whenever you get excited, you just kind of rear your head back and go <laughs> like that. You know, like you gotta but live Har- it up. Harmony Corinne himself, who is one of the characters and spends most of the time behind the camera, does this iconic, you could call it, just absolutely obnoxious cackling laugh uh that does sound almost like uh like uh an old-fashioned like witch's cackle yeah it's it's... (laughs) (laughs) like it's very forced (laughs) it's completely inauthentic Mm -hmm. uh it's very grating but it's effective yeah Yeah. and all of the characters we should mention i don't know if we've mentioned this yet they're all in old people's costumes essentially like it's like the spirit halloween old man mask yeah and all three are wearing the same one yeah and it's very horrifying honestly yeah wretched yeah because like they're pretty good masks like they're they're pretty convincing but they're they land squarely in the uncanny valley where they're obviously they're definitely masks but they're very authentic looking masks um, Harmony Corinne's wife, uh, Rachel Corinne, plays one of the plays the only female uh, uh, character, and she has like a like a wig on. And Harmony Corinne's character has a wig on too, mm-hmm. uh, but the other two are just like bald. That's part of the thing too is that like their physicality is not elderly. 
which was also by design. I was reading Harmony Corinne saying he, he thinks there's something horrifying about old people who don't move like they're old. So, like, these characters are, are very are very spry. They dance a lot. They jump up on top of things. Um, but they also wear, like, these uh, these old, like, white hospital sneakers, kind of. So there, there's definitely, like, a very geriatric vibe about them. One of them's hobbling around on crutches the whole time. It's a difficult movie to describe. Um, yeah, and it's, like, very nightmarish, right? In that, like... It's not super literal in what it's, you know, showing. It's something that feels like just literally out of a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Well, you're you're just put in the scene. You're not allowed to have any exposition. There's no point of reference to begin with. You're just thrust out like a babe in the woods. You don't know what these people are going to do next. You don't know It's entirely when, unpredictable. You don't know when yeah. the scene will end. Um, because the footage runs out, you don't know when it'll start again and where and what they'll be doing because who the fuck are these people, right? Why are they smashing TVs on the side of the highway? Why are they, why are they, why are all three of them wearing the same old person mask? Why are they making these weird voices? Why, why? Why are they humping trash cans? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why are we here? And why are they filleting sticks that they find on the road? What the fuck, man? Why are they? Why are they? Why are they <laughs> carrying around like baby dolls and shit? Yeah, like, like why? Like why are they doing anything? Some of the, yeah, some of the shots of them just like putting like tree branches like in their mouths with all the leaves on them and stuff. Like yeah, like and, like, like deep you said, like, yeah, like like like, filleting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. like what the fuck. What the flying fuck? At the same Yike, time, though, yikes. It's, yeah. it's also, like, really funny. I, I, find a, I find much of this movie, like, very, very, like, laughably entertaining. Yeah, it almost has, like, a deep into YouTube kind of vibe where it's, you know, just weird videos you unearth yep. from deep within YouTube's tunnels and algorithms. Totally, totally juvenile humor, too. Like, which, it, which is funny. Because those were a lot of the things I didn't like about the Greasy Strangler, but here I loved them. Well, the Greasy Strangler, the Greasy Strangler has more artifice, like noticeable artifice. Yes. Unlike Trash Humpers, the Greasy Strangler is a film that is written with lines and characters, and it's very staged, and like the production design is very meticulous and stuff like that. Like it, it feels artificial because it is. And Trash Humpers just feels like something you pick up off the street and pop in and, like, what the fuck did I just find? Mm-hmm. And and I think most of it is. Like, I don't, I don't know how much of this movie is written, if any. Some of the poetry sequences. Some of the monologues, yeah. too. Yeah, probably. But even so, like... Because it reminds me of Har- to... Harmony Corinne's poetry a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he, he, you know, he just hangs around those type of people. Like, that's where he gets so many of those ideas. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if, like, the the various other kooky characters that our protagonists encounter in this movie are, you know, just fucking freestyling, you know? Mm-hmm. Waxing poetic. Yeah. Stream of consciousness, you know, nonsense. Um, I remember being about halfway into the film and saying, to, like, to y'all, I think that y'all would actually really like Gravity's Rainbow for this. Yeah, this and Gravity's yeah. Rainbow have a lot in common. It's another like narrative of like extreme highs and lows, and it often goes back and forth between like 
narrative uh and then it the the story just inevitably breaks down into stream of consciousness again until it is just mindless garbles and rambling and then slowly you know snap back to reality mob spaghetti there's a similar thing here where you know we kind of come in and out of like these weird soliloquies uh and then fall back into some semblance of a plot you know where you find out they're murdering people or whatever and you know gravity's rainbow also plays with that those extreme highs and lows when it comes to gratuity as well like like often like the there are times where the the realism is is very horrifying and then the the stream of consciousness is beautiful like it's gorgeous and then there are times where it's reversed and uh the the real uh, the realism is is beautiful um as these characters are appreciating these beautiful moments and then the stream of consciousness falls into really wretched waters and um i got i got a lot of the same feelings out of this it's a really heavy book i think they they pulled it i think it was this pulitzer prize or one of those uh the it was it was pulled because the half the judges found out after they'd given the book the award because you know i think half the time they they give the book the award before they've even read the book because they found out the book had scat play in it and they were like oh yeah we don't want this in our uh <laughs> we don't we don't want this in our collection you know after all and uh uh, it's uh you know and again it, it's one of those like extreme lows like in in the book and it is it is with intent and it is clear like what it's trying to do but it is it is rough it's a hard it's a hard book to read man I got to tell you uh, well, it's yeah, the that, hardest book I've ever had that's to read. the thing like I think two things that contribute to to the success of Trash Humpers in my opinion is the medium and the runtime it's only seventy three minutes if it was another hour longer I don't know if I would like it as much as I do I think that at a certain point it would become overwhelming uh, and and because of the way that it's it's shot and presented like again it's it's the authenticity like if this same movie was shot with like really high-end cameras using like professional lighting and and sound recording and stuff like that i might hate it it's tough to say it falls into like uh, such a weird little niche, and also like it, I think it's the kind of movie that only somebody like Harmony Korine can can make. Yeah. It fits in so well with the rest of his filmography. Like, well, and it's funny because we were talking about how Trash Uppers came out right before Spring Breakers, before Spring Breakers, and yeah. we were talking about how wild that is. But honestly, thematically. Thematically, they're, it's it, they're yeah. very similar. Thematically, it's not a stretch. It's the, it's the it's, it's the application. It's the yeah. presentation. Yeah, Spring Breakers is like the opposite of this in terms of presentation. It's highly stylized, very colorful, very well shot. You've got fucking James Franco and fucking Gucci Mane in it. Like you've got uh, and also like Selena Gomez and Vanessa Hudgens. You've got like named actors. Whereas this is just like. It's fucking. It's it's trash. It's trash humpers. I I have a hard time. Uh, I'm the trash ex- man. Expressing yeah. yeah. <laughs> Frank, what the hell are you doing, man? That's my character. I'm the trash man. I come out. I throw trash all over the, all over the ring, and then I start eating garbage, and then I pick up the trash can and I smash the guy on the head. Oh, that's gonna be a disaster. No, no, nobody's gonna get hurt. I'm telling you, it's like you said, it's all fake. But it has nothing to do with the troops, Frank. A 60-year-old man eating trash? Who wants to see that? No, but that's what people want. Thematically, it's it's interesting how similar they are, though, right? Because, Mm -hmm. like, both of them are very much about freedom and 
you know, trying to avoid the monotony of routine. Unbridled freedom on the fringes of society. Exactly, and how that can turn into hedonism and darkness in its own way as there becomes hyperfixation on sex and violence and and destruction you know, and yeah. yeah cruelty that's... I mean, these are themes that harmony corinne like keeps playing with like that's yeah that's what gummo's about too that's uh, what parts of julian donkey boy are about too you know whenever you mention gummo i always think of the the forgotten marks brother <laughs> well, that's what? what it's named after <laughs> oh is it Oh, interesting. Okay. Gummo Marks. Yeah. I actually didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was, uh, it's Harpo, Chico, Groucho, and, uh, there was Gummo and Zeppo later on. What about, that... what about Beppo? Uh, no, no Beppo. <laughs> Bukity Beppo? No, that, that's a, that's a restaurant chain. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> the... do, you remember, do you remember what it means? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Well, hold on. Let me, let me see if I can remember. Uh, uh, yeah, you're telling me about this because it's like in Milwaukee, right? Um, I mean, it's all over the country, but yeah, I had friends in Milwaukee North, who yeah. worked at it. Uh, uh, let me think. Bukity Beppo. It's Beppo is mouth, right? No, that's Buka. Beppo, Buka, Beppo Buka is, uh, is Beppo is uh, uh, a nickname for Giuseppe. That's why we talked about Giuseppe's it. Giuseppe's uh, mouth. That's, yeah. that's right. Beppo's hole. <laughs> Beppo's hole, yeah. That's why we brought it up on Going old. Going down of, to Beppo's of, hole. Uh, Giuseppe. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna get me a big strong bowl. <laughs> Damn, that should be their, that should be their jingle. Hire, get, hire me Bookity Beppo I'm gonna get Bookity Beppo listening. on the phone. Yeah, going down to Beppo's hole, getting me a big strong bowl. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the movie. Go, uh, going back to the the freedom stuff a little bit, I want to read the bit of prose that uh, they're driving in a car and looking at these houses at night. I and I think the the most striking monologue happens in that scene, and it's when the character says, "You don't really understand the importance, but sometimes when I drive through these streets at night, I can smell the pain of all these people living in here." I can smell how these people are just trapped in their lives, their day-to-day lives. They don't see much. Sometimes they get lost in it. Other times they just feel lost. I can feel their pain, like, coming through these trees and these houses. That was a really striking scene, and it it kind of, I feel like it's the core of the movie, really. Well, yeah, because it's like an hour into a movie where we've just been watching this this same character and his friends wander through the street smashing tvs dragging baby dolls around on a string and like humping garbage cans it's funny maybe it's not it's not funny but it's like an interesting dichotomy to to have that kind of monologue about like the pain that people in suburbia are suffering when like he and his friends are having a great time living on the street and being delinquent it's yeah. great. I love it. It's like those characters are making a very deliberate effort to not be suburban and get into American routine. Absolutely. And that's why we've been set off on this course of the movie. And, you know, I think Harmony Korine has joked about how this movie is really about America, the American dream and ideals. Uh, and when you think of it in that context of kind of hedonism and the ideas of freedom, it totally makes sense. It's true. There really is uh, this kind of like underbelly to 
Western society where we delight in destruction and violence and and just fucking vibing on the streets you know like i think i think everybody every american has a trash humper inside of them but do you want to free that trash humper or do you want to keep him locked away the answer may surprise you (laughs) (laughs) or it may not i mean honestly probably the answer is no no <laughs> maybe a little every once in a while you yeah, can feed it you can feed the trash humper but don't don't let it out there's, the a, there's a lot of there's a lot of there's several scenes in this movie or little snippets usually in between the tableaus where they're just like in a parking lot like tossing fluorescent light bulbs up into the air to like <laughs> smash down on the ground and that's fun dude you ever smashed a bunch of fluorescent light bulbs they, in a parking they lot like they like dance on top of it too. yeah dude <laughs> oh yeah yeah he's doing like a he does like a Fred Astaire number yeah. like oh yeah on top of like the shattered glass it's great um they're like smashing TVs with a sledgehammer mm. that shit's fun man like if you're if you're ever in a yeah. position to do that kind of stuff it is fun it's like, really gratifying like it cuts to it like when they're already like throwing one of them like in midair mm. and you just see like this like tube like, and you don't know what it is because, again, like, it's kind of grainy. It's, it's at night. It's at a distance under a street light, And you see this, like, kind of weird, like, tube, like, spiral up through the air and then come down to the ground. And when it shatters, it was really impactful. It was, it was kind of gorgeous. And, you know, they do it again. And I, I think I gasped because I, I didn't know what they were throwing. And when, like, it shatters, like, glass is like, whoa, that's a whole fucking fluorescent tube they're, like, throwing into the air. I, I, yeah, I don't know. It, it caught me off guard in a, in a, in a wonderful way. I, I loved that scene. Well, that's the thing. It's like they really, they really are uh, the the epitome of of freedom because not only are they free to do literally whatever they want, but they've also completely freed themselves from the desires of quote unquote normal people. You know, the desire to have a job and a house and like stability and comfort and stuff like that. Like they're they're freed from all of that. They don't want any of that all they want to do is break shit and hump trash cans and murder people and occasionally murder some people maybe has a pretty decent body count i wanted to mention you know over the past year twice a week i in the in my my studio's discord uh we've been watching found footage horror movies you should bring them trash humpers um well actually i did mention it the other night of course my buddy ted had already uh, already seen it because he's seen them all. He's just like showing us like like his you know the the collection of them and whatnot. Um, we like to joke that like we're one of the only subscribing members of uh, Found Footage Horror, which is a streaming service that has Found Footage Horror movies. Um, That's so fucking niche. Like, it's so they, ne- right. How do they make any money at all? Uh, Ted, I, I think I think he's the only. Uh, I think he's the only. <laughs> is subscriber. that enough to keep their business afloat? It's I guess. Ted, I guess business. it's enough to like pay the domain no- name and like keep up the rest of it. I don't know. And like probably the the two other people who are subscribed, I'm sure. But I mean, more power to them. I hope. I hope. Uh, I, I wish them all the best. Uh, we're, we certainly watch a lot of their movies, but you know, and yeah, you can find like a, a series of found footage horror movies and some weird like lectures on aliens as well I, I don't know what that's about but anyway um most of it's most of it's pretty xenophobic but that's that is what that's the purpose of their site. that's the, the found, money maker oh, yeah it, that's it, see like so? you said it and now it makes sense to me the found footage horror stuff they're trying to get out the word is, they're well, mostly no, it's, like it's a, it's a front it's so that they it's no. so that more people not necessarily a financial front but more C- people careful with, in, careful with the with it is is uh we don't we don't allegedly allegedly allegedly, allegedly, yeah. alleged by me, I mean, yeah, yeah. parody whatever they've got their kooky xenophobic lectures on aliens and 
they know that they can't get people to come watch those things, so they put them on a site surrounded by a bunch of other found footage horror movies, so some people might stumble upon those and be like, hey, you know what? Yeah. I'm also xenophobic. Mm-hmm. No, it's like you can you can always play a game with like some of the, the alien ones where it's like, how long into this documentary are they going to reveal that they're in an Asamite? Like, <laughs> like, at what point are they gonna like? Are they gonna like make it clear that they think like the the world government right, is run by like a small collective? It's like, mm, when is this gonna happen? Let's see. Yeah, all right, <laughs> like, what's the what's the timestamp? When's <laughs> when's the first racial slur gonna be dropped in this one? <laughs> um, so they have a pretty good collection of, of of found footage horror films. Just some good ones, you know. Uh, but anyway, point is, is that I, I, our whole group at this point are like all like experts on found footage movies. Uh, which I don't, I don't think is a point of pride. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, it's not. Most of them suck. Uh, they do, they really do. And actually, that 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 brings it back to my point, which is this film succeeds in every way that most of those don't. You know, you get your occasional gem that might have a good idea or whatever else. What I do love about about found footage horror movies is that they're often is that they're so earnest. Whatever they're working with, it's all they have. And uh, so much of the time, you know, you get your your occasional like studio budget budgeted found footage horror movies like your paranormal activities and whatnot. But for the most part, it's a couple of people with a camera on a weekend getting, quote, haunted by something. And well, yeah, because it's the easiest kind of movie to make. It, you can do it with the least amount of, of budget well, and equipment. Yeah, you just you just record and then you have someone in the other room like bump a wall. Yeah. Like and then they act scared over it, which man, that gets old. But anyway, occasionally. Like, they'll surprise you with something good. Or you start to get to know these these people and uh, these directors. Like, uh, one of my favorites is, like, the the Paranormal Farm trilogy where this uh, – I'm, I'm taking a moment to talk about these things, so I'll never have another opportunity. But, uh, like, the Paranormal Farm trilogy where the first one starts out and you think that the main character is obviously the writer-director – writer, it's all improv. But the writer-director character, like, this guy might be kind of gay. You know, and then by the third movie, like he's doing all the scenes with his boyfriend and he's like really like openly flamboyant and like come more, much more comfortable with himself on camera. And it's amazing. Like they have like whole scenes with them just like hanging out in a hot tub. And I'm just like, I love this. Like he like, used he used his art as a literal outlet. Yeah. To out himself. Yeah. And it, it's beautiful. And uh, you uh, it's, it's and that's what America's all about. You, you know, what's it? cool, too, is that movie also ends with him finding out that he has uh, psychic powers for no reason. And uh, like, oh, you know, so can use them ex, to fight he's ghosts. An X-Man. Yeah, he's an X-Man who can fight ghosts. He's an X-Man because he's gay and has superpowers. It's true. That, that is kind of a staple among the X-Men. It's true. That's, um, that's what the X-Men's all about, baby. I mean, which is why I, I think I gravitate towards it. But uh, no, it, uh, it, they're, they're charming. Um, and there's a number of, 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 of legitimately good ones out there as well, like uh, the, the Curse of Professor Zardonicus, which is fucking fantastic. Anyway, the point is, this film was more terrifying than any, than just about any I'd seen. Because it's so immersive, because you... you honestly believe you're, you're made to honestly believe that like the, these these killers are just recording their activities and, and it's all real murders right what i mean by this like re, uh, realism you know in the murders there's no ghosts there's no ghouls or anything it's just real people being free and expressing that freedom however they choose and in yeah, some cases that's just murdering someone at yeah. corpses yeah it's not, it's not yeah. like they're it's not like they're necessarily out to kill 
It's just they're, it's a byproduct. They're doing whatever they want, and sometimes that happens to be killing people. Well, or if they're just doing something, somebody might just happen to die. What's so interesting you know? is they'll introduce characters throughout the film. You know, you have the weird Siamese twin, the fake Siamese twins. Yeah, which are very obviously just uh, connected with like a like a tube sock that's like cut off at both ends, and it's going between each of their heads. Like it's like pantyhose. And, well, and they take it off at one of them takes it off at some point. So when you say fake Siamese twins, yes, that's what they are. But the film is not presenting them like they're actual Siamese twins. Mm-hmm. It's it's what the trash humper characters would force those people to wear and act like Siamese mm-hmm. twins. In. I love I love how you don't know how how much they're being held hostage in that scenario. You, well, in you any don't, scenario. Yeah, well, you don't know if those those two, like, the two Siamese chefs or whatever, like, can leave at any time or if they're there, like, for fear of their lives. And what, what I like is that I don't think they know either. <laughs> And I love well, that, the like the, like the danger the there, just... like there's, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a fascinating chaos in that. And that brings in some genuine horror, mm-hmm. you know, as they're forcing them to cook, as they're serving the pancakes and they're uh, forcing them to pour dish soap on the pancakes yeah, instead of syrup. They, yeah. Cause they bring out the pancakes and they accuse them, that's poison. So then they go get the soap and force them to eat soapy pancakes. Yeah. But we don't see them after that, so we don't know what happens. Well, to they them. tell the story, right? The one tells the mm. the story of the Siamese twins, where one died and they wanted to stay with each other. Mm-hmm. Which and is that is a real story. Those those guys were, uh, I think they they ended up in North Carolina, actually. Um, where I think the movie was no, I guess the movie was shot in Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an allusion to North Carolina in the film. I think it's it's in it's that it's in that scene when he's talking about the the twins. I, I can't remember what their what their names are, but they're like they're like famous Siamese twins from back in like pre Civil War. They're they're part mm-hmm. of like a, a they made a bunch of money from like being in a traveling uh, freak show, freak show yeah, or something yeah. like that. They moved to the U.S. They moved to North Carolina. They bought a bunch of slaves because it was pre it was pre Civil War. Lord. Um, and I think they, I think he says in the story, they, between them, they had something like 24 children and all that is, that is true. Uh, I wish I could remember their, their names, but yeah, one of them died and the other one like refused to be, to have his dead brother surgically separated from him. So, uh, so he also just died. <laughs> It's, or maybe he was surgically separated and then died a couple of days later because he couldn't. What's especially but, spooky about that scene is the is, racism. <laughs> yes, <laughs> correct. Yes, uh, that scene's mad racist. But also, like the trash humpers are demanding they tell a funny story, and he tells that story, and they get so hostile because yeah. it's sad. It's like, and I told then, you to make us laugh. Now I'm just depressed. And suddenly, we don't see those characters again. And the implication, of course, is obviously we've seen what happens well, to characters. Is so. one of them one of the corpses? 
I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, see, that's, that would that's make the thing. sense like, with that story, right? What's What's interesting about that is like they're the first non trash humper characters that we get, other than the the little fat kid in the suit, who I also really love. But that's before, like the the stuff with with the fake Siamese twins is like before we even see like the first dead body in the film. So I think it's like with hindsight. That's what makes it spooky is like, oh, did they kill those guys too? Maybe was he the one of them, the the dead body that, that we, you know, see out in the woods? Because it's not until after that that, like, stuff starts getting, like, progressively more sinister. Which, of course, puts, like, the, the previous scene with, like, the kid, like, into even more horrifying context. Even though well, it was already horrifying because well, yeah, she teaches him to put a, a razor blade a razor in an blade apple. In an apple. Like, and he's yikes. just hammering uh, baby dolls' heads. Yeah, they have, like, a, a baby doll uh, wrapped in plastic, uh, and at one point the kid is just, like, hammering its head with an actual hammer going, this is how you do it! This is how you do it! This is how you should do it! <laughs> just over and over again. <laughs> like, the characters, like, weird fixations with, like, babies and, like, baby dolls definitely comes to a... a supremely sinister conclusion at the end of the film but like so much of this movie is them playing with baby dolls like the kind that sing that you like pull the string in that first scene like uh rachel corinne's character is like cradling a baby but it's fully wrapped in plastic that's rachel corinne mm -hmm. that's his wife yeah that's harmony corinne's wife yeah who is one of Wild. the one of the girls in spring breakers Really? The one who gets shot by Gucci Mane. Incredible. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. How about it? Um, that's love. That's love, man. That's love. That's <laughs> be. Um, but, and then, like, later there's a scene where they're just, like, in a backyard and they've all found bikes somewhere. And each one has, like, a baby doll on the string. And they're, like, pulling it, or pulling it around behind the bikes, just, like, going around in a circle. It's, like, just about every scene incorporates, like, a baby doll somehow. <laughs> uh so it's like they they have they have some kind of fixation with like having a baby amongst them like well it's it's interesting too because like you know they're all wearing like the elderly masks so that 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 like horrifying connotation of age right and again like elderly people moving spryly is reflected in that as well and it's, it's the lack of responsibilities yeah. of being a baby you know I, I feel like it's part of the fixation. Wow, But yeah, like really you said, point. is it really comes to a haunting, horrifying finale with all mm. the baby stuff. I don't know if we want to talk about that right away. Yeah, I mean, it, this... It leads in nicely, like, when we see them, like, with a dog, too. And I was just like, yo, they sh mm -mm, there shouldn't be a dog anywhere near these people. Oh, God. Which is not great when we, we see the rest. But uh, I do like leading into this when they're all on, like, children's bicycles and they have, like plastic baby dolls like tethered to them and they're just dragging them along like um like along like the the street or like in a circle as they're like going around each other weird creepy shit i i also do like when they when they meet the the old man um and he's just like you know turn off the goddamn baby doll and we've been hearing it like constantly yeah. throughout the film mm -hmm. you know it's like the same song over and over again they just turn it on and then turn it back off as it makes like some little tune one of the little things that i love about the scene where they're dragging along the baby dolls is they're riding around like like an oven that's just sitting and decaying outside i i feel like harmony current has such an eye for urban decay 
in his films. Totally. And it's just this film is kind of the logical endpoint of that where like everything yeah. is pure well, I urban think he, decay. Yeah, I think he I think he just grew up around that shit and has a a, a sort of undying fascination with it. Well, it and is I fascinating cuz like yeah. you you look at something so disparate Right, it's something. Um, oh, what, what's the what's the popular term these days? There's like the Reddit thread about buildings that are, that are uh, liminal. You know, like liminal spaces. Uh, yeah, liminal yeah. spaces. Like, uh, uh, you know, it's the idea of like like what what is the purpose of this space and it it not having one anymore? Well, like, how, a, how do a, you purpose it? It's what a do transitory you put? space. It's transition. Mm-hmm. Like, it's caught in between two states of being yeah uh, it's like what do you what do you do with that and how, how do you exist in it and i think this film is kind of an answer to that well i think, I it's, think it's, that's, it's, it's, it's not a good one it's not it's not the answer you want to hear to, to <laughs> like examine harmony corinne's filmography as a whole like i think that that's what makes him such an interesting and successful filmmaker is because he's always had an eye for that shit in such a way that he better than just about any other filmmaker I know is capable of like presenting beauty from filth and like presenting the dregs of society in kind of like a wistful sort of way that I don't think that, you know, people often have. Because, I mean, we're so conditioned to look down on that kind of thing, to eschew degradation and and filth and the people who live that, who yeah. live in that kind of life, you know? Our, our culture, especially in America, is, like, very anti-poor. What we continue to see in the news and stuff is all this, like, sick anti-homeless architecture and stuff that's designed to keep Uh. people from fucking sitting down or having a place to sleep when they don't have anywhere else like as a society we're very trained to look down on that shit say no i don't want it near me i don't want to look at it i don't want to think about it i think because it makes people feel guilty and i think harmony corinne is really good at showing a lot of those same kinds of aspects of what people consider disgusting and finding a, a strange kind of beauty in them. Yeah, absolutely. Trash Humpers is, may- is maybe a bad example of that uh, in some in some respects, um, but especially well, like I think especially stuff like Julian Donkey Boy or Gummo or, or even Spring Breakers, which is like aesthetically very pleasing, but about the same kind of shit. You know, well, I think what. He, he uses it in a different way in this film. Um, there's, there's still, like, such a, a keen eye for awareness. He just he uses the same tool but for ill, whereas in some of his other films, like, it, it's used for good. Uh, I think the, the perfect sort of foil to Trash Humpers would, would probably be the Beach Bum, which shows, like, all of the beauty and love in being destitute mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the duality there. And I, I I adore that about Beach Bum. Like I, I need to go back and watch yeah, that Beach film. Bum yeah, rules. it's such a good movie. It's but a great movie. Uh, you know, here he uses it for ill or to demonstrate evil and horror because we see the beauty in this world where we don't want to see it and it's uncomfortable because these are killers. These are you know like the, these people are are not good and they are free. But what they do with their freedom is the worst that thing they can do. Um, which is bring about the suffering of others. 
and but there's the at the same time it speaks to like our primal lizard brain that wants to break that wants to destroy that wants to be free in that regard mm-hmm. and i i think you're right i think that that is it it does bring a certain amount of discomfort in like trying to reckon with with that cuz like like i said before man like breaking old TVs is fun breaking shit is fun yeah. you know breaking people I mean, yeah, less fun. Yeah. Well, maybe not for everybody, but uh, for... Not recommended. Not recommended. Not a popular yeah. stance to take these days, but don't break people. Hot take. Breaking people is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, is but, your, you know, I'm just going to break bad This is your public, people. <laughs> is your I, public I do, service announcement I, I do think that there's... That a movie like this does speak to the part in us that longs for that kind of unbridled freedom where we have zero responsibilities and can just cause a little bit of chaos because that kind of thing is fun especially if you're used to living in a you know normally extremely orderly regimented life and it shows the logical endpoint of that ideology taken to such an extreme yeah damn this movie's like the Joker. <laughs> oh shit! Just wait, guys. I'm having bad views about society. Am I the Jonker now? You're the Jonker. I'm, I'm. Oh man. Damn it! Did I go Jonker? Trash Humpers turned you into the Jonker. No, I don't want to go Jonker. <sighs> damn. Dad, maybe I'm. God maybe, damn it, Harmony Corinne. You made me go Jonker. Maybe I'm the Jonker. Maybe we're all the Jonker. The Jonker. Hey, I have a question. I have a question. If if we were all Jonker, then we'd be a society of Jonkers, and then what society would we be rebelling against? See, we live in a society. Yeah, but what of but, Jonkers? But see, and then and then what is it? Uh, then, then what's that? You know, it's not anything. But that's the Jonkers' whole thesis. We live in a society that doesn't take care of one another like a society should. And the only way to make things more civil is to be more chaotic. Is the to only kill way the Batman. Is to kill the Batman. That's the only way to live in a true society. Cool. The trash humpers, they live in the purest form of society, don't they? It's totally egalitarian. They do what they want. There's no rules. They take care of each other. They look out for one another. Do they? I think so. They have a birthday party for one of them while he's taking a shit at one point, remember? Yeah. That scene is horrifying. Yeah. The dude playing the guitar while there's just a dead body on the ground. Well, no, and not while there's a... While they're fucking... They're, uh, while they're asphyxiating they're, someone. They're... Yeah. they're, they're Straight, like putting a plastic bag, like killing a guy with a plastic bag over his head. But after that, then one of the trash humpers has to take a shit, and he's constipated, and they bring him a, a birthday cake or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, they. I think they. I think the trash humpers care for one another. Did they figure out communism? I'm not touching that with a ten foot pole. I'm not touching that with a goddamn ten foot pole. This is going on public. uh, Yeah, this is this is going on. This is going on public. You're right. Yeah, I mean, this is going on. This is going on public. uh, The 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 trash. The film has gotten to me. No, I. The trash humpers are the real Joker. They live in the purest society. We live in a sham society, and the only way to achieve freedom is to become the Jonker and go hump a trash can. That's the thesis. Make it, make it, don't fake it. That's right. Can we talk about the music in this? 
They have a lot of very but, basic but archaic yeah, songs. Big big quotes over music. music. <laughs> uh, Didn't Harmony Corinne put out like a, a limited vinyl pressing yeah. of, of the soundtrack? I'm pretty sure. And I, he like hand he like hand dirtied each yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. He just threw them. dirt on them. <laughs> like took them outside and about, like rubbed yeah. dirt on them. So it's like at, like totally can't even play it on a record yeah. player. It's totally scratched up. <laughs> it's like the perfect the perfect ethos of this movie. That rules. The quote unquote music in this movie is something. I mean, it's, it's mostly. Uh, it's mostly just like little repetitive songs or some other crazy person like wailing away on a guitar or the dude with the trumpet who's my favorite uh, who keeps saying, I reserve the right to die. I reserve the right to die. <laughs> just starts playing, playing a couple of notes on a trumpet. Well, that actually brings up a fun point uh, uh, that all three of us in this film were able to find a miscellaneous character to identify with and it, and each one felt natural i don't think any of us felt forced in that and i think we all saw it there's something really beautiful about that i think we shared a special moment watching that movie it started out with and it was none of the trash humpers not the people who were killing people we didn't identify with them yeah i mean except for now i do I, I, yeah they're, <laughs> i think they're, what's horrifying about the film is that you do identify with them because certain, i've become certain ways because i've become the junker but uh what what's beautiful like what was really fun is uh there's there's the one sequence uh it started with me and the the gentleman on the bridge who's waxing poetic um in a, and he, french, in a french made, in a french made outfit, outfit. yeah it's like an old bald guy with a beard and i was like and I was just looking at him, and I was just like, man, you know, like, the French made outfit, he's, like, prancing around, he's going off on stream of consciousness poetry. Well, one of the trash humpers is just lighting fireworks and just, like, throwing them at the ground. Yeah, just, sort of. just chucking them, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, and I, I was just I was just thinking the whole, I, I said uh, during that, um, this is me in a few years if I just take a wrong turn or two, you know? Like, if I, if I go on a heroin kick at some point, like, that, that's me. Like, that's, that's me, it's, you know, if I, if I just take a few wrong choices, like, I, I just really identified with that guy. And then the next, I think, was Utes, or was it? I think, no, I think it was. I think it was mine because it was the yeah. guy, the guy in the backyard who was just making train noises. Oh my that god! Chugga, yeah. chugga, 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 chugga. Just like kind of, there's this whole segment where he's just like standing and he's like rocking back and forth from one foot to the other with one fist up above his head, just going, just going chugga, 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 toot, toot. <laughs> You just know, like outside of his trailer. What, what I like, will say is impressive. Like, yeah, that's, if, is he did get the train whistling sound very good. He did. He, he, did. he practiced. That I mean, a while. He, didn't have, he didn't have any teeth, so the it's easy. It, yeah, the problem with making so train do the whistling sound is, that, yeah. uh, is it teeth get in your mm-hmm. way? Because it was polyphonic. I was impressed. Like it's, yeah, teeth teeth get in yeah, your he, way. He was he was making noises. the whoo and also the whistling sound at the same time. <laughs> like uh, it was pretty good, but. That's me if I ever, like, fully embrace, like, my deep south Alabama roots <laughs> and just, like, say fuck it and just buy a trailer and park it in somebody's backyard yeah. and become a full-blown alcoholic and uh, develop a dip problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my wrong And that's turn. not many wrong steps for me. No, it, 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 not, it, that's it, not that many. Like, that's not <laughs> super far removed from who I am. And, you know, like, I think it's the beauty of it. Like, we, that we're all able to do that yeah so for my, you, my I, yeah, I, say, I say all of that with like no no uh animosity or looking down on that man no yeah, yeah well i mean i, I think loved, if anything I it's a point him. of relation yeah him. yeah uh my my wrong turn guy was a dude just laying down on the bed the whole day talking about his pecker and playing trumpet 
uh, playing just, and then being well, a strong yeah, just, yeah, two notes. Uh, but he would he would say a joke and then just blast the trumpet. Yeah, like using um, as like a punctuation for his poetry. Yeah, waka waka, <laughs> <laughs> and with like some absolutely heinous toenails. We get a really <laughs> nice shot of that dude's toenails. Like one of them is like a fucking knife. It's like an inch long <laughs> and like broken off, so it's like sharpened to a point. Like how he doesn't like lacerate himself with that thing is uh is surprising but yeah he's he's the one who keeps saying i reserve the right to die and (laughs) and though though he's not the character that i necessarily most identified with i think that 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 statement is the the single thought from this movie that I <laughs> that I resonate the most with. So I reserve the, the right, right to, to die. die. <laughs> and that's all of our rights as Americans. Mm-hmm. And you know, we don't I don't think we see the trash humpers kill him. No. And I, and I, and I think and that they, I, few, I think that might be why. There's a few characters that we don't. Like it's not it's not just like Well, it's the chaos of it, right? Yeah. That, well, that that's the thing. That's mm-hmm. why that's why I, I it's it's so great because it doesn't feel like there's they're like I said that they're explicitly out to murder. Like sometimes they just get carried away and things happen. And we see the aftermath of that a few times. That's another thing that I want to speak to the film's credit is that I think another reason why it all feels authentic is that other than the guy who they're like choking with the plastic bag, I think they have a belt around his neck too. And they're yelling, go to sleep, boy, go to sleep, boy. Like other than that, all of the other corpses we see and stuff, it's all after the fact. We never see the actual murder. And I think that's good because I think that that would make it too fake. Yeah. I think that would make it too fake if we saw them murdering people. The fact that we cut from the the dude in the maid outfit doing his poetry on the bridge, we cut to his house, and he's just lying in a pool of blood on the kitchen floor, and the trash hoppers just talking to each other like, oh, you killed the shit out of him. You got carried away. You killed the shit out of him. It's like that. that is way more horrifying than us watching like them beating his head in with a hammer yeah that like, that would not be as horrifying i think mm-hmm. yeah there's much there's much less artifice in it uh because the film chooses to not revel and that makes it feel more authentic it, it really well, does and it, it's yeah it's also like they're they're not carrying the camera around to make a snuff film that's mm-hmm. not their that's not their goal if anything they have the camera turned off while they're murdering because they're busy murdering mm-hmm. you know it's uh, not about documenting it you know it's it it just it just kind of happens oops we killed somebody you know and you know, like whatever deaths like that i tend to find to be like more unsettling and shaking uh this is a, a an obscure and deep and, and weird tangent of a cut but like when we find out in in like the third Dark Souls game, when like Aldrich is like eaten, um, uh, Gwendolyn, you know, mm-hmm. like like it's really horrifying because like like the only way like the only means of of telling you that is just that you see the like that Aldrich has like like a similar form to Gwendolyn from well, like the he's first wearing one. he's wearing Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn yeah, well pupping the them around, is, yeah, yeah, like their corpse. The, Aldrich is that's why when you lock on, God, I can't believe we're going into. I, we we can cut it. We can cut it. If, but if that's why need. that's why when you when you lock on, like when you lock on to Aldrich in the boss fight, you lock on to the sludge below Gwendolyn, mm-hmm. not Gwendolyn, because that's not Aldrich. Yeah. Aldrich is in the process of devouring Gwendolyn, but Aldrich is the sludge. Mm-hmm. Aldrich is the goo. The the massive black 
bones and blood and filth that is in the process of of devouring this god from the first Starks. I know my uh, my my wonderful trans icon. And like that was, that was confusing because I killed Gwendolyn in the first Dark Souls. How he done show up to be at by Aldrich in the third one? Because time is a flat that, circle. I killed that boy. Time is a flat circle, and uh, that's that's the nature of of the those games. Damn, true though. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I think I think that is a, a and sort of like the the violence taking place off screen in the movie is a great segue to get into the very end of the film, which we've already alluded to a little bit. Um, which is they're they're walking around. We see a few scenes of them sort of like peeping in people's houses in the middle of the night. Um, but in in this this final sequence, we see them looking through the windows of a house where there's like a baby crying inside, and we see them like going up the steps to the house and like trying the door, and it's unlocked. And then it cuts to inside the house. And they have like the baby in like a in like a pram and like a carriage, and it's just like crying and stuff. But they're in this house where are the parents, and then it cuts, and then they're just pushing the the carriage down the street with the baby, and like Rachel Corinne is like singing a, a lullaby to it. It's like they just fucking went into that house and probably killed the parents and took that baby. But we don't see any of that. And the juxtaposition with the beginning of them, you know, dragging around all those babies. Well, throughout the entire film. teaching the tuxedo kid to smash a baby's head in with a hammer. It takes on such a different context than it would alone. And it's so much more horrifying because of it. It takes, takes like, the baby doll imagery from the rest of the movie and, and turns it from just being, like... Oh, uh, edgy aren't like babe like beat up baby dolls aren't they spooky looking or whatever and takes it like no these people have a weird kind of fixation on like having a baby and so at the end they get one like that's kind of, if there's like a story to the film it's like them looking for a baby and and finding it but it's like it's so unalluded to. But it's also, like, such a horrifying and satisfying ending for the movie because especially we've seen, like, the way they behave with everything else in their lives. Like, they're going to get bored of having a real-life human baby pretty quick, and what are they going to do with it when they get bored? That question... Horror. that Yeah, that question does <laughs> not does not beg uh, speculating on too much. Nope. So, uh, uh, I do want to go back to, like, uh, the, the monologue about being free and like pitying the the people in their small lives and uh the the pain there i i think a lot of that what i personally took away from that scene that i i liked the most was how you can read it just as this per- this person suffering projecting here's the thing right like if you're living like that you have some nasty toothaches you have some really horrible physical pain it's not a a, a pleasant life in any way but that's why they're but, free, because they don't care. They're freed from those concerns. Right. Well, you know, and it really, and there's that justification there. And, and so, like, that justification, that mentality is made easier by, you know, projecting, like, pain and sorrow, like, onto just, like, middle America, you know? Like, uh, and I, 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 think, I think that's really neat. You see that, you know? Like, you, you see, you know, people who are, who are suffering, like, project and, and validate their sorrow. And it can be really deeply moving. I thought, I thought there was a there's a lot to that. I think that's an interesting read. I don't know if I subscribe to it 
just in the in the fact that I don't not, this movie never feels sad to me or I never feel sad for these characters. I don't perceive them as being in suffering. I think that they revel in, in other suffering. But I, I... I think they do both. I don't personally see them suffering ever in this movie. I think that they are freed from suffering. They are having a grand time with everything they're doing. They're not they're not lashing out against society. They're making life their plaything. And that's to them the greatest freedom. I don't I don't think that they want anything else. I think that that how we see them in this film is what they want. They are living in their own in their paradise. That's my read on it. I don't know. I don't think it's a, a, a right read. That's how I perceive it. I I think that monologue is earnest. I don't think he's projecting. I think he's. I think he's maybe falsifying sympathy. I think. I think there's a part of him that that kind of revels in the people trapped in suburbia's suffering. What I love None about of this, is this said what so. I love about this film is it is very open ended in that respect to the point where it forces you to engage in questions like these, and I think the structure of the film definitely helps. It forces in... you to engage, or it forces you to check out. Yeah, and I think that's why a lot of people and why I can understand a lot of people really getting nothing from this. Yeah, because you're absolutely right. You have to engage with it. Or you check out and discard it. I don't think there's much of an in-between. Yeah, 100%. Well, why don't we rate this? Yeah, it's let's fine. do it. Uh, ben, this was your pick, so you do the honors. Sure. Uh, well, I, I think, think I Harmony Korine has not put out a bad movie ever. Um, I think this is one of his most intriguing ones. I won't say best, but it's his most one of his more intriguing ones. And it's one that's has stuck with me for a long time. I think about certain sequences from this movie quite a bit. I find it deeply horrifying and atmospheric. I, I don't think a movie has captured the feeling that you get from getting lost in a city late at night and wandering the streets alone and you know seeing all the filth and gutters and trash around that this movie quite captures. This is an easy five out of five for me. Cleveland, what about you? I'm going to go with my usual format, (laughs) where uh, if I can't find anything to pick apart in a film, then I I can't see why I would dock any points. There's nothing I would want to see changed about this film. There's nothing I would different I would want from it. I love how short the runtime is. I think Harmony understood. You can't play this out too long. Um, it, it, it is as long as it needs to be. I love how it's cut, how it's edited, how it's shot. And I, I love how non-formulaic it is. It was, it was a breath of fresh air in that sense. Uh, a really stinky breath. Uh, the, the air wasn't very fresh. It was really a, a, brush, a breath of trashy air. But uh, sometimes you need that. And yeah, I, I think it's, it's going to be a five out of five for me as well. No, I know yeah. it is. Yeah, it's going to be five out of five. Yeah, I, I can't differ from, from that. Um, I I agree with you, Ben. I don't think Harmony Korine has ever made a bad film. Um, I don't know if this is necessarily my favorite of his films. It's it's hard to pick favorites. 
Um, but I do think that in a lot of ways, it's his purest film, whatever that may mean, uh, <laughs> as, as maybe pretentious as that sounds. Um, but I mean, all I really got to say is that sometimes in life, God gives you gives you trash. And when that happens, you just got to hump it. Uh, it's yeah, I mean, it's an easy five out of five for me as well. Um, so Trash Humpers is a golden pod. No surprise. Uh, <laughs> incredible. In fucking incredible. I can't believe we fucking did this movie for this stupid fucking podcast. I can't believe. Thank you for gave, picking it. I can't believe it. we gave uh, ourselves yeah. a really fucking excuse. We, we did the most indulgent shit we possibly could have done and gave ourselves an excuse to talk about fucking trash humpers. Uh, dear listener, if you haven't seen this movie... I mean, obviously, we all consider it, we all here consider it a perfect film, but if you don't, I do not blame you. Yeah, no, more I mean, power oh to you. Yeah. shit, you got this far in the podcast, this is basically longer than the movie, <laughs> you might as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, what a, what a weird one. I, 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 I would not hold this against anyone for not liking it at I, all. Yeah, <laughs> I, would, I would absolutely recommend giving it a shot, because either you're gonna hate it, and that's okay, or you're going to get a lot. Of, you're going to get something really special out of it. Um, and I think that I think that the the possibility of the latter is worth the risk of the former. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, like uh, for as ethereal as this movie is, there is very clear intent. It's like I said on totally. the on the Eraserhead yeah. podcast. Yeah. Like I'm not as fond of meandering when the intent isn't clear. But if the intent is clear, I love a meander. Like I, I love a wander, and I love abstraction. If if the abstraction serves something, that that can be that can be quite the, gratifying. In a lot of ways, like the meander is the intent. Yeah, like it's it's supposed to like that. That's what it's designed to be. And you know what? And sometimes some people, you want you want a you want a really fast water slide that goes whee. Or sometimes you just want a lazy river. You just want to hang out in the lazy river, and it's like a lazy river horror movie. You just you're just there. The point of the lazy river is to be there. It's not to get to the end of the lazy river. It's to be in the river. Yeah, I said at the beginning, this is a vibes movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't a movie that you go in for a, a story or a narrative or character. Like, there's some fun characters, but like, this is this is a fucking this is a vibes. Movie. It's just it's a lazy river that's full of trash. Did I ever tell you uh, about the time I went uh, tubing on the the river Styx? Now I know that the river Styx is a literal river in hell. But it's also a river in Alabama. And I was dating someone at the time who would be interested in going tubing on the River Styx. And uh, I was very young and on board. And uh, so we did go. And uh, if I die of, like, some obscure chemical, like, you know, thing or whatever at some point, it's because I did that. You know, like, we've all been inner tubing, like, on a river at some point. And it was like a Disney inner tubing experience where the theme is, like, rednecks. It was amazing. Uh, like, like first off, the whole fucking floor of this river is just lined with bud cans, right? And you're just, you're, you're, you're tootling along, and you just know that, like, there are bad septic lines. You know what I mean? Like, like somewhere along this river, like, someone's septic tank isn't very well made. It's a hell of an experience. But I, I do just remember, like, looking down at one point and being like, wow, like, the... I love how, like, the, the sun is glittering on the rocks, you know, on the riverbed. And, oh, wait, no, those aren't rocks. That's just tons of bud cans. <laughs> Incredible. Tied, brother. Yeah, and it's literally called the River Sticks, too. Amazing. 
Absolutely amazing. I, yeah, I thought it's was the cool river where the souls of beer cans go to die. Yeah, uh, and sometimes I'm sure people. Yeah, I mean, probably every river, for being real. That's true. Um, yeah. Anywho, next week, uh, it's uh, the long-awaited Candyman yes. reboot. Yes. Uh, we've been we've been looking forward for this to this one for a good long minute. It was supposed to come out last year, got postponed till this year when they could have theaters open. I mean, now people are kind of going into lockdown again, but I think Candyman squeaked out just in time. We're gonna go see it in the theater. Hell yeah, we are. Uh, I I'm I'm fucking hyped. The trailer looks great. Uh, next week, Candyman. Do the thing. And this episode, as a matter of fact, this episode is brought to you by Candyman, 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 Candyland? <laughs> um, uh, will I finish? Will I say the, the word? Tune in next week to find out. Maybe I'll get hainted. Or, and or haunted. Well, I guess that'll bring us to the end of this week's episode. Uh, if you've stuck with us this long, I sure do hope you like the show. And if you do, the best way to support us is to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and a review. Um, talk about how we recommended Trash Humpers and it ruined your life. That's fine, as long as the rating is five stars. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's important. That's important. That's important. The bad ratings hurt our numbers. Uh, <laughs> Um, you can also, uh, on this episode, I especially hesitate to do this, but if you want to pay us, you, <laughs> you can go to patreon.com slash podpeoplepod and become a subscriber. Uh, shout out to our, our actual on- sponsors, our actual sponsors, yeah. our, our honorary pod boys, uh, Sam Simon and Sarah Morris. Um, you're in, in this time, you're also honorary trash humpers and honorary jonkers. So we, we whether you, you want to be or not, want to be or not, we thank you for that. You can follow the show on Twitter at Pod People Pod, and you can check out our letterbox at letterbox.com/podpeoplepod, where not only will you find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews, you can also check out our list of other golden pods, uh, of which Trash Humpers is just the latest in uh, a pretty good collection now of films that we have unanimously scored five out of five. Um, again, you can find that at letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod. I'm on Twitter tweeting trash uh, at some spooky snake. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm occasionally tweeting for LightArc Studios as we put out more progress on It Stares Back. Stay tuned, join our Discord, find out more, play our open beta, as we have some cool, fun levels so we've added to the end of the game. Um, you can also find my work via DreadXP. Uh, as of the time of this release, Spookware will be out. You should definitely go and play it. It's super fun. Uh, uh, WarioWare-style uh, mini-games st- all strung together by a fun, cute little plot line uh, involving three skeleton boys through their uh, journey through post-Corpia, the land of the dead. And uh, it's a hoot. It's a real treat. Um, it's it's a very sweet game. And, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it to just about anyone. All right. Thank you for listening. As always, we love you. Stay tuned. Until next week. Make it, make it. Make it, make it, don't, don't fake, fake it. it. Make it, make it, don't. God damn it. Damn it. <laughs> Pretty little devil jumped over the wall. 
lopped off his head and murdered it all. And I lopped it by doodle da day. Oh, Mr. Devil, you surely love me. La la, la dee do do. Oh, Mr. Devil, you surely love me. Killed his bitch and strung to a tree and lopped it by doodle da day.